Now, the analogy to this is the elephant and the rider. The elephant is your emotions. The rider is your logic. Mm. We like to think that the rider riding the elephant controls where they, the, the rider knows where the path goes. They know where the destination is. They know um, how to get from point A to point B. The elephant is just the big dumb animal. Yep. But what the reality is, is the big dumb animal is really in control. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? Good, Patrick. Thank you. We are going to go back to our three by three this episode. Our three by three is when I present you with three ideas, three topics, and you are to give us your three hot takes on each one of those. And so uh, our three uh, our three subjects today are three self-fulfilling prophecies that are not serving you, three ways to start a difficult conversation, and three lessons that you learned the hard way. Let's go to the first one first. Three self-fulfilling prophecies that aren't serving you. Okay. So first uh, kind of big overarching importance behind these uh, self-fulfilling prophecies, we essentially are the story we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the stories that we tell about, I am the type of person that dot, dot, dot is so powerful. That is setting up the directive of your life. What we want to do is never repeat disempowering self-fulfilling prophecies ever, like never allow it. Um, so here's uh, here's three ones that I, I hear a lot. Um, I'm just not good at dot, dot, yeah. dot. I'm yep. just not good at um, writing. I'm just not good at muscle-ups. I'm just not good at running. I'm just not good at um, having hard conversations. I'm just not good at math. That is just so disempowering, saying that thing. Um, along with that one, I'm going to add in which one, one, which is like, well, I'm too old to dot, mm. dot, dot, or I'm too young to dot, dot, dot. It's these self-limiting beliefs where you say like, I'm just not good. I'm just not uh, in the right spot for this. We are learning adaptation machines. If you tell yourself the right story, you say, just put a yet behind that, like a yet. I'm not old enough yet. Like I'm not good at technology yet. I'm not good at running yet. It just changes this whole thing with like, ooh, the yet is like, it's going to happen as long as I put forth the effort. So that's mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not good at. Uh, next one would be, um, um, I don't need more sleep. Hmm. Like so many people walk around, like they're like, uh, they know that they're supposed to be getting seven to nine hours of sleep a day, but they get five and a half and they're like, but I'm functioning just fine. I, I am that rare unicorn. I am the type of person that doesn't need seven hours of sleep. The, there are, (laughs) there are people planet that do not need seven hours of sleep, but the percentage is something like 0.0000001%. So it's not you. (laughs) There are more people, there are more people that have won the lottery twice than there are people that lead less than seven hours of sleep. So it's not you is Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. 
people are saying that are just taking the easy way out and they would be so much better served if they were to say like, I could use more sleep. I'm not getting it. What should I do? Instead of going like, I just don't need more sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, number three would be, um, they don't like me. Mm. When you project out that other people don't like you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to feel that they're yeah. not going to like you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's this, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's the secret that was put out there a long time ago. This book and this movie that was put out there is, um, the thoughts that you put out to the universe are going to be reflected back upon you. So if you go walk around thinking that a certain person or a certain group or a certain, um, um, people in your network don't like you, you are going to, through your actions, decisions, behaviors are going to put off a aura that is going to cause them not to like you. Whereas if you go, um, hmm, I'm not connecting with them. What could I do to connect with them better? Mm-hmm. It flips the script and now it's a different self-fulfilling prophecy of I can work through difficult situations <laughs> and awkward situations with people that I don't see eye to eye with immediately is change and flip the script of that self-fulfilling prophecy to one that serves you. Got it. All right. Three ways to start a difficult conversation. We are just flying through this, moving right along. That was a, that was a okay. Point. All right. So here's that kind of the, the um, preamble before it. I'll put that just like I did for the last one is when you t- tough conversations are a necessity of life. Yep. They can actually be the some of the most beneficial things you do. In fact, some people say the success you have is in direct correlation to the number of hard conversations you're willing to have. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, we want to be able to navigate these things tactfully because having tough conversations untactfully doesn't move you forward. Mm. It's, It's the people that are able to have the tough conversations tactfully that actually get to benefit from the, the aftermath. What we want to be able to do is start these conversations in such a way that doesn't put the opposite person on defense. Yeah, They can't be feel like they're being attacked. Now, the analogy to this is the elephant and the rider. The elephant is your emotions. The rider is your logic. Mm. We like to think that the rider riding the elephant controls where they the, – the rider knows – where the path goes. They know where the destination is. They know um, how to get from point A to point B. The elephant is just the big dumb animal. Yep. But what the reality is, is the big dumb animal is really in control. If the big dumb animal is scared of something, it doesn't matter what the rider is doing on top. The big dumb animal is way in control. So what we need to do is not rile up the, the big animal inside of each of us which is the amygdala. It's a part of the brain. It's tied to emotion. We need to be, instead keep that at bay. And the way we do that, the way you don't do it is go um, by accusational things, by saying, Patrick, listen, the reality is that you, you get it, right? Yep. All of a sudden, you immediately hear that. You go, yep. or um, Patrick, we need to talk. Like right away, you're like, ooh, or Patrick, you're doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. And what it's like, Right away, you're like up on defense immediately. And no matter what I say after that, it's going to be me versus you. Instead, you do this sort of more tactful situation, a tactful way, which is, all right, three different ways we could do this, is um, approaching a person, instead of saying something accusational like that, you just say, um, hey, Patrick, 
I'm, I'm wondering if there's a better way that we can dot, 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 mm-hmm. right? So maybe it's something with our podcast and I don't like the way that you um, do some of the production side of the podcast. Yep. Me going like, Patrick, I don't like the way you're doing this with the podcast. That's going to put you up on defenses. Yep. You go, Pat, I'm wondering if there's a better way that we could X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now it's just like, let's, let's troubleshoot this thing together. Mm. A second option would be um, um, saying something along the lines of like, uh, can you help me work through something um, I've been struggling with? And then X, Y, Z, here it is. Um, it seems like our dot, 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 um, um, whatever it is. A third one would be like, maybe the more personal situation is um, put them on, let them know you're on the same side. And, um, you know, Patrick, uh, I'm worried about you. It seems like X, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. You know, it's this empathetic of, instead of like, um, Patrick, you spend too much time working. Patrick, you drink too much. Patrick, you, um, you're um, not good at thrusters and pull-ups. You know, it's like <laughs> you, yeah. you say like, I'm, I'm worried about something about you. Um, and then the seems like is important because you don't want to say this is what's happening. You're saying, it seems like my opinion from my perspective, this is what's going on. And then what can I do to help um, put you on the same side trying to find a solution together? Yeah. <laughs> love it so good um quarantine dad yeah seriously um one of the questions we get a lot and we get different versions of it and we've definitely tackled it in two minute drills before but it makes me think about it with this idea of having a difficult conversation because i don't know if we've ever kind of couched it in that sort of scenario but it's the it's the scenario where the scenario where it's like my dad doesn't seem to care about his health I really think he needs to be working out and eating more vegetables and I just can't seem to get through to him or, you know, some version of that. And I think it's always, the question is always like, how do I get this individual to listen to me? Cause I know I'm right and they're wrong and clearly they're killing themselves and I know how to help. But, but it strikes me as actually what you're presenting as like, let's start a hard conversation is that's actually what it is. It's let's start a hard conversation about why you and I see this thing so differently and I, and to the degree that we should, I'm we should petrified and you're not. Understand, you yeah. have to go into this thing with um, a solution orientation. This is yeah. not, you're not going into this to try to prove somebody wrong. You're not trying to go into this to show somebody your points of view. You're not trying to go into this and um, um, go back and forth and debate. What you're trying mm-hmm. to do is start a productive potentially tough conversation. That's mm-hmm. the goal is you're trying to understand where they're coming from. So if I'm talking to you, whether it's the parent who's unhealthy or a coworker who's not meeting your expectations, what you're going to try and do is not go at them for what they're doing, but instead try to understand what their perspective is on it. You're trying to get more ammunition. They should be doing the talking. Mm. So if you're trying to deal with the relative who's not living a healthy lifestyle, you should not go, um, listen, um, father-in-law, you're pre-diabetic. I know how to fix this. I know you don't like hearing this stuff, but here's the facts. Mm -hmm. 
if you have high carbohydrate, high sugar foods, you're going to spike your insulin level. It, like it does none of that's going to sit with anywhere. Mm-hmm. If instead you go, listen, um, father-in-law, I- I'm worried about you. It seems like, um, you're not as healthy as you might otherwise be. Um, is there something I can do to help or mm-hmm. what is, um, what is your view on this and try to get like their points of view first. Yep. Once you hear their points of view, now you got like kind of ways in to kind of, if they go like, no, I'm totally healthy. Like, I, well, you kind of coming over the top is just going to put a bigger gap, a bigger wedge into that conversation. Yeah. If they go like, yeah, Ben, I could use your help. I really could use your help. I have no idea what to do. I've gone on these diets. I've done this thing. I've gone to the gym. I've gone to my doctor. I've taken medication. I don't know what to do. Well, okay. What, when you went to the gym, what'd you do? When you changed your diet, what'd you do? When you talked to the doctor, what did they do? And get them talking. Mm-hmm. Hard conversations are done best when you're not doing the conversation part of it. Yeah. You're asking the questions. Yeah. That's such a good point. Cause I think part of the tension that is always introduced in those kinds of conversations is the, and, and is the perspective of like, well, I have the answers and I'm, I'm trying to figure yeah. out how you can listen to me and actually listen to the answers that I have versus flip it around entirely and look at it as, well, you don't have, you clearly don't have enough answers because the individual looks at things the exact opposite way that you are. So totally. you, yeah. So yeah, the first it, step it goes the, to like the point of like, you're, you're like, you have a, you have an employee that continually shows up late to work. Yep. If you go like into that, that's a hard conversation, right? It's easier not to have it at all. But the hard conversation is like, listen, employee X, if you come into work again, I'm going to have to let you go. Like that's, or like, Hey, um, you know, the standards, you know, the policies, you know, the timelines. Hey, uh, you're, you're talking to them instead of going like, Hey, it seems like you've been late for the last three days in a row. Like what's going on? What can I? You okay? Like, what can I do to help? If they go like, I've been late, mm. like, like that's it. So that, like, right there, that's so much more information. <laughs> right. I, I've been late. Yep. I thought I was supposed to be here at quarter of. And like, oh, like instead of you coming like over the top right away, or you do something even worse, which is like, hey, you're late for work today. Um, you do this one more time, and I'm gonna have to let you go. And the, mm-hmm. like the person starts crying right away, and they're like my mom just passed away last mm-hmm. night. Like, or like, oh my God, like, God, like I wish I had taken a different tact on that. Like, yeah. God, like it's, it's empathetic leadership. Mm. Can you feel what they are feeling and then get down in the well with them and solve the problem together? Mm. Not yell from the top of the well going, hey, <laughs> grab the bucket, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine also there's a part of it to harken back to our, our first uh, subject today, that it's also telling yourself the story that you are capable of having a hard conversation, that you're capable of starting a difficult yep. conversation. Because I think almost all the failures in, in a hard conversation is in avoiding it all altogether, <laughs> right? Because even if you stumble through it, you'll probably get to some kind of resolution. Whereas if you avoid it altogether, you you probably just exacerbate the problem. Yeah, well, I mean, no, you even having the conversation, you could exacerbate the problem even more. Mm. Um, you know, if, if you don't, here's the other thing, along with like, so I kind of gave like three 
um, lead-ins. Mm-hmm. What I'll say is your tonality matters more than the actual words. Because mm. um, if I go, um, um, can you help me understand? Uh, like I'm struggling with something. You know, I, I'm really struggling with something. Can you help me? Can you help me work through this issue that I don't quite fully understand? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like dot dot dot. That's very different than going, um, Patrick. I'm struggling, man. I'm struggling. Help me work through this, Patrick. You help me work through this. Like it's just mm-hmm. same words, just totally different. Yep. Absolutely. And the tonality, you know, it's like everything. It's eighty uh, percent of communication is non-verbal. It's not mm-hmm. the words. It's the body language and tonality. Yep. Yep. All right. That was three ways. To Which start is my to son f- was actually just talking about. He was actually saying like he saw two people sign languaging each other in a fight, and he could tell that they were in a fight doing sign mm. language. Yep. It's like he could tell like there's so much communication that happens non-verbally. He's like they're pounding and they're doing all those aggressive fast yeah. movements. It's like it's like wow, you can really see you can tell a lot without the words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And tough Last conversations one. that gets exaggerated. Three lessons that you learned the hard way. Okay, so the first one we've spoken to before on this podcast, which is um, the answer is not always work harder. Mm, Yep. Um, And for a long time in my life, especially being an entrepreneur and a guy that enjoyed work, that's what I thought the answer was. Um, Like, how do I get to the next level of my business? work harder. Mm-hmm. Yep. How do I get more freedom in my life? Work harder. How do I get uh, more financial security? Work harder. How do I get um, my family to love and respect and better all that work hard? Like, and that's not really the case. You know, it's, it's that old adage of work smarter, not harder. But I, I, I think that there's, we've been bombarded with this, especially in the entrepreneurial world of like, you, it's the, it's the, it's the grit. It's mm-hmm. the out hustle them, out hustle, out hustle. You got to outwork them, whether it's the Elon Musk's or the Gary V's. It's the, it's you, you just got to work harder than everybody else. Well, there's only so many hours in the day. If you work 24 hours, you can't work harder than that. There's a, there's, a, there's a, a ceiling to that. Yep. I think it, it, it does everyone. Uh, it for, certainly it was my lesson um, of understanding to put. Um, you know, there's a difference between hard work, there's a difference between efficiency, and there's a difference between effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, hard work is um, the grind. It's the horsepower and the hours. The efficiency is how quickly you get things done. Mm-hmm. And the efficiency is how quickly you get things done well. And now the really important thing is, are you doing which is what, what is most important mm-hmm. efficiently? Yep. And once you figure out what is most important to be done and then do that efficiently, that will beat hard work every day of the week. Case in point, if Catherine is trying to win the CrossFit Games, I could have her work out for 15 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Now, intuitively, everyone goes, well, that's not smart. Right. It's not smart. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to figure out what the right amount of work is. Well, okay, I'm going to have her – um, work out the normal like five to seven hours a day, but I'm going to have her work so, so, so hard at Pilates and she's going to be the best Pilates person in the world. She's not going to win the CrossFit games because mm-hmm. we haven't given enough forethought into where she should be spending that time. And that happens to everyone all the time. And it happened to me for sure. As I was growing my business, 
I just trained you to work harder and harder and harder. Not learning how to delegate and elevate and not learning how to prioritize key issues, not learning how to train other staff members. And because of that, my workload just went up and up and up to the point where I fell into, you know, in the part of the, the life cycle of an entrepreneur, the entrepreneur regret phase, mm-hmm. where I wished, I wished I wasn't as successful as I was. Now I have 300 members in my gym. Now I have staff of eight. Now I have, um, you know, people, um, other roles, responsibilities. I'm traveling and doing seminars. Like, God, this, like, I, my life is not what I want it to be, which was the reason I started a gym was so I could coach people and connect with people. You actually wish for a simpler time, entrepreneurial regret. Well, what you find is if you continue to focus on the right things and do them efficiently and effectively, well, then all of a sudden you get to do the things that set you on fire from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Love that. What else? What other lessons have you learned the hard way? Uh, okay, so uh, another lesson uh, I learned the hard way is um, there's that saying, treat people the way that you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Mm. You should treat people the way that they want to be treated. Mm. I like autonomy. I like space. I like freedom. I like, if you give me that, you're basically telling me you trust me, you respect me, um, you love me. My wife is not that way. Mm. My wife wants, um, um, time, like face-to-face time. So if I was to treat her the way that <laughs> I like to be treated, I would be like, peace out, Heather. Like, yep. I'm going to, I'm going to go, um, hike a mountain for three days. Yep. Like, and like, you should go hike your mountain. Like it just, <laughs> it's obvious in that case, yep. but it goes in terms of, um, leadership in terms of the workplace as well. People find, um, um, like to be recognized in different ways. Yeah. I, if you tell me like, dude, you're doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, yes, I'm killing it. If you tell other employees, I figured out this the hard way. Cause that's what I did with some employees. And I kind of gave them total hands off to me. That's like, I'm saying, I totally trust you. You're killing it. Other people go like, he hasn't talked to me in five days. Like, mm-hmm. what is the deal? Like, am I doing something wrong? And they want accolades or they want rewards or they want time or it's the love languages. Yep. Everyone re- receives recognition in different ways. And if you treat people only the way you want to be treated, which is what I did the, and I learned the hard way, um, it's going to get slammed in your face. Yeah. And this happened to me with my employees um, is that I gave them autonomy, hands off, because they were killing it. And they're, they're basically... Um, um, luckily I caught it before anyone like left or anything else, but, um, I had that hard conversation with them, which I entered to in a tactful <laughs> way. <laughs> and I was like, guys, um, I, I realized I kind of messed up here. Like I'm going to lay this out to you guys. And I told them how I receive praise and how I mm-hmm. want to be shown love and trust and affection. And I was like, I realized that's not all of you guys. So we had conversations to figure out what it is that they did want. And mm. They don't want to be treated the way I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Love that. What's the third one? Uh, so the third one, um, lesson I learned the hard way. I wonder if it's a hard way. It's just the slow way. Um, is that coaches are dope. <laughs> like coaches move the needle. So like um, 
we, we hired a business coach yep. and it's amazing. Like you don't know what you don't know. Yep. And for you to try to figure out what you don't know and then figure out how to know that is a very convoluted process. It would essentially be like, hey, I realize you might have some food allergies. Let's try to go through every food there is to try to figure out what food allergy you might be. Or you work with a coach that has done this literally a thousand times and they can kind of tease these things out and go like, well, based off of your symptoms and based off of what you eat, I could probably tell you it might be strawberries, nightshades, and dairy. You're like, mm -hmm. oh my God, that saved me so much. <laughs> that saved me so much. Just like um, leapfrog that. Yep. So we, from the first, um, I've, I've owned my business since 2007. It's 2000. So that's 13 years I've owned my business. Um, for the first 11 years, I didn't work with business coach Yeah, and I learned things a lot slower than I would have otherwise. Um, we now have two business coaches. Mm. Um, and if I could get a third, I would get a third because like, it is so amazing. They make a difference. Now, maybe I'm biased because I'm a coach for a living as well. So I'm <laughs> yeah. kind of like throwing coaching in there in general, yep. but the lessons I'm learning out of this, out of the business coaching, but I would say it's the same thing for nutrition or, um, performance or public speak. Oh, public speaking. I got a public speaking coach. Mm, yep. Um, whether it's, um, you know, so anything that you're doing, I, I believe whether it's an executive coach or a cooking lessons or whatever it might be, coaches move the needle. Love that. Something I wish I had learned earlier. Yeah, that's a great lesson. Cool. So that was three self-fulfilling prophecies that are not serving you. Three ways to start a difficult conversation and three lessons that you learned the hard way. Thank you as always. Thank you to everybody out there listening, sending questions, leaving ratings and reviews. And we will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.